Well, hey, everybody. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Derek, and um, it's just great to be here. Welcome to, to those of you who are here, and I uh, want to say a special welcome to those who are online and uh, to my West Falls Church peeps. Uh, it's great to, great to see you guys, too. And um, we are in the middle of a relationship series called Just Dance. And some of you know this, but my wife, Becky, she is a great, great dancer. You know, some people just have natural moves. They have natural rhythm, natural ability. Just dancing just comes so naturally to them. Well, that's certainly her. And then you compound that with the fact that she basically, ever since she could walk, started taking ballet, and she took it all the way through high school, did a little bit of cheerleading here and there. Um, I mean, she is just a phenomenal dancer. And um, so... This might blow your mind because it blows my mind every time and maybe a few of you have have seen her do this, but every now and then at a wedding, and I just want you to picture what people wear at weddings, right? So formal attire, my wife is in like a formal dress and she'll be on the dance floor and she will bust out this one move, which I'm going to attempt for you right now. And it's this, have you ever seen someone do that? Like, that hurt. Um, she makes that look good. I mean, like, that's how good of a dancer she is. Like, she makes that move look good. And so, I mean, she's just, she's an incredible dancer. And so when she married me, there was a little bit of uh, tension in our marriage around the whole dancing thing. Because, you know, my whole stance on dancing is this. As a good Christian man, I just don't want to make other people feel bad by showing them up on the dance floor. So... Because that wouldn't be nice. So, so what I choose to do is just respectfully just allow other people to do the dancing because I don't want to make anybody look bad. I mean, that's not cool. I'm actually a fantastic dancer. So um, anyway, so we're a couple years into the marriage fairly early on. And, and Becky signs us up for some dance classes, which really surprised me because I didn't think she needed the classes. I, I just thought she was, you know, she was great. Um, so we, we start taking these dance classes, and they were held at different locations in clubs around D.C. and stuff. And it would basically be like you do a lesson for an hour or so, and then the club would, like, open up. And then you'd have this party and open dancing, and it'd be great. And so we're, I don't know, we're a few lessons into this thing, and it was like salsa night. Salsa was the theme. I don't know if any of you guys like salsa. Man, I'm so good at salsaing. It's crazy. And so... Um, <laughs> So anyway, we're there, you know, and doing the salsa lessons, and I'm getting my salsa on, and then, um, and then we, we finish the lesson, and now it's just like free-for-all, the club opens up, and, and it's salsa night. And so it's pretty crowded in there, you know, it's going to kind of be my excuse for the rest of the story. So it's kind of crowded in there. I don't know that I can freely express myself to the fullest of my abilities. And so we're doing this thing where like you're holding hands with your partner, you know, she's facing me and I'm facing her. And it's, it's the thing where like you, you, you take the hands out and then you bring them in and you take them out this way and you bring them in and then you like do the spin. So the spin, there was a little problem with the spin. I think I must have used the wrong hand or I turned, like I spun her the wrong way or something. But anyway, she comes around from the spin and, um, and I have kind of bony elbows. So she kind of, I spun her pretty hard and somehow managed, she's 5'3", she's like about this high. And I managed to spin her into my elbow, right in the face. And I know that hurt, man, because it hurt my elbow. <laughs> And so she immediately goes down like, Ugh. 
Now in that moment, I, I'm like, are you okay? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And I lean in and she looks up at me like this. And there were two things that her eyes were saying. Okay? There were two emotions expressed. One was anger and one was pain. Okay, now here's, here's the deal. Guys, you know this. We deal well with one thing at a time. Okay? So if it's just pain, I know how to deal with that, right? Because you're, you're hurt. Come on, I'm going to give you a hug. It's gonna, it'll be okay. I'm really sorry. You know, we can deal with the pain thing. That's how we deal with it, right? Strong, guys, strong. If it's anger, we run, right? <laughs> We're out. Run away, quick. But when it's pain and anger, like, what do you do with that? What do you do? So she's looking at me, just pain and anger, both. And I'm just like, what do I do? I just freeze. That's what I did. I just froze. I did nothing. And I'm just looking at her like, Oh God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I'm just standing there. Well, the whole reason that I signed up for this whole thing, that I went along with it, this series of dance lesson date nights or whatever it was, you know, over this number of weeks, was really, there's one thing, guys. You know why I did this, right? Come on, man. Okay, I did it so that at the very end of the night, after I had endured all this, at the end of the night, she'd look at me, you know, with that look, and she'd go, take me home. That's why I did that, right? Well, she said those three words. <laughs> but it had a whole different connotation that night. Take me home. You know, talking about marriage today, and I'm telling you, marriage is the great dance, isn't it? I mean, marriage can be phenomenal. Whether you're here today and you're married, or maybe you, or you're not, but you've seen marriages in lots of different shapes and sizes and different forms, you know that marriage, there are times when a marriage is in rhythm. Like the beat's going, you're just having a great time, right? You're getting your salsa on, everything is going great. Maybe you're even busting out a little, you know, whatever it is, because it's just awesome. We, we know that about relationships. They can be amazing. But then there's other times especially in marriages, where you just take an elbow right to the face and it hurts and it's called conflict. And that is what we're talking about today. How do we dance through conflict? You know, I think we would have this assumption, whether we're married or whether we're not, whether we've just seen other marriages, other places, but there's this assumption that I would say most of us in this room have, those of us listening online, um, and the assumption is this, that, you know, if we could just reduce the amount of conflict that we have, man, that relationship would be so much better off, wouldn't it? In fact, if we could, like, eliminate it altogether, wouldn't that be the ultimate thing? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? If we could just get rid of all the conflict, and it was just, just the good times. Well, I want to push into that assumption a little bit, because I don't know that actually it works. I want us to take a look at a section of the Bible called Proverbs. And these Proverbs are these great wisdom sayings that we find in the Bible. And what's interesting about Proverbs is that um, so many of them, when we read them, we just instantaneously recognize them for what they are. On the surface, boom, common sense, great wisdom right there. There's no thinking about it. There's no processing of it. It's like, yep, that is so spot on. But there are other Proverbs, and I want to look at a few of those this morning, 
And there's other ones, and they're, they're much more counterintuitive. They're ones that you have to go a little bit below the surface, and you've really got to go, hmm. You've got to really think about them. Some of these you have to meditate on to really understand and mine the wisdom in these sayings. So let's check out. I've got, I've got two different ones for you to look at. The first one goes like this, Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. That's one of those that makes you go, hmm. Some of you are like, I don't know about that whole open rebuke thing, man. Like, I could go for a little bit more of that hidden love. <laughs> that open, really, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And we are talking about this in the context of relationships today, okay? Really, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Let's think on that for a minute. It continues, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What's being said there? Well, what's being said there is that friends, good friends, where you've built up trust, they're not afraid to tell you sometimes the thing that you need to hear, even if it wounds you, even if it causes some pain. Because what do you know about a friend? Or specifically in the context of a marriage and a romantic relationship, that's the person that you have the most trust with, right? They're supposed to be the person that you're the closest to. You have the closest friendship with. And so basically, they can tell you stuff not that you want to hear, but sometimes the stuff that you need to hear. That's what friends do. That's what a good spouse does for their partner. Let's look at Proverbs 28, verse 23. It's another one of those deep ones. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. (laughs) I find this one to be very true, Uh, particularly the words in the end. (laughs) Because there's no favor being carried in the midst of that rebuke, right? When you say something, you bring up an issue and there's this massive conflict, right? You bring that thing to somebody else. There's no favor right then. I mean, it's hurt, it's processing, it's all kinds of stuff that's going on. But in the end, can we see the wisdom in this? In the end, there's favor. And think about this. This makes sense if you really think about it. So let's think about the person who brought the rebuke, okay? Who was the source of of whatever it was that was talked about as the conflict. Is that person going to have favor in the end? Absolutely. You know why? Because something that was eating at them, something that was on their mind, they have now gotten off their mind. They have been able to put it out there. Do they feel better? Absolutely. They're not festering. They're not simmering. They're not dealing with all this bitterness. They've put it out on the table. How about the person who heard the rebuke? Is there favor for that person in the end? Not in the moment, but in the end? Yeah, there certainly is. Because they've received that. They now understand, oh, that's why I was getting that vibe from you. That's what's been going on. Oh, this makes so much sense. This is a good thing. In the end, it's a good thing. And finally, is it favorable for the relationship? Is it? It is. It is. Even though we don't like it in the moment, but in the end, this conflict is actually something that is going to favor the relationship. It allows you to be able now to work on something and work on it together. So our assumption very may well be that 
conflict, if we could just reduce it, man, our relationships would be better. Especially our marriages would be better. But actually, when we look at these Proverbs, what we find is that conflict brings favor. Conflict is essential to healthy relationships, especially healthy marriages. So if you happen to be sitting right next to your spouse right now, I want you to turn to them. And if you're online, do this as well. Turn to your spouse right now if you're right next to them and say, I'm so glad we fight. Just go ahead. Just say, I'm so glad we fight right now. Yeah, it's a good thing. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you for fighting with me because we need some conflict. This is good. Thanks for that elbow right in the face. That was awesome. Yeah. So I used to think that, um, that the brownie was like the ultimate dessert. Like after a good meal, that, that's the go-to, right? It was, and I've talked about this before from this stage. The brownie is the ultimate dessert. But actually, I've discovered something better than a brownie. You guys want me to share it with you? I want to talk about it for a minute. So the thing that's better than a brownie is um, something I discovered fairly recently. It is the chocolate-covered Oreo cookie. Those of you who are making noise right now know you've had one and you understand these are so incredibly dangerous and awesome. And so I I brought these because um, I thought, you know, if I'm going to talk about the chocolate-covered Oreo cookie (laughs) and how good it is, oh yeah, we've got some hands going up. I feel like, I feel like I need to, oh man, I can't, I can't hit you all the way back there, bro. It's just not going to happen. But um, I feel like I need to, I need to be able to Oh, so good. I got to be able to really talk about it and you know, really describe it. So what I want to do is, because um, this is like a spiritual experience for me right now. <laughs> and for some of you, you need to come get one of these because it's going to be the most spiritual thing that happens to you all morning. Okay. <laughs> so if you want one, if you're close, I might try and toss it. But, but okay. Yeah. Who else wants one? Thank you. Yes. Who else? Come on. Yeah, we come on. Oh boy. Yes, here we go. Yeah, you might as well. Anybody else? Anybody else? I got two more. Yeah, come on down. I'm gonna should we try? Oh baby. That was fantastic. Alright. So just eat freely. Get spiritual, okay? Alright. Here's the thing with the chocolate-covered Oreo cookie. This, this is like a little piece of heaven in your mouth, okay? Here's what happens. You bite into it, and the first thing that hits you is the milk chocolate outside. The milk chocolate outside is incredible. It literally starts melting in your mouth, right? Say amen if you're eating one of these right now. It just starts melting in your mouth. If you're online, I'm so sorry that you're not right here. If you've got cookies in your cupboard, get, go get them out, Okay? It starts melting in your mouth. Like it literally is just like oozing down my tongue, like down. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely phenomenal. What, what, what a way to start this, this mouthful, all right? And in many ways, for me, that is kind of like the good times in the marriage. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just easy. It's just, it's smooth. It's rich. It's velvety. It melts in your mouth. You don't have to work for it. Your teeth don't have to do anything, you just, you're just enjoying the rhythm of the dance. It's beautiful. But see, with just the milk chocolate part, man, 
that's just not going to do it for me because my teeth are bored. Okay. They got nothing to do, but here's the thing. See if you can hear this crunch. All right. The crunch, man, the crunch is everything. Sorry to speak with my mouthful. My mom would hate me for this, but I'm telling you, here's the thing. When you get the crunch, that's when the party starts. Okay. Now you've got substance. You've got texture, okay? You who are eating the cookies, right? You need the crunch. The crunch makes the cookie delicious. That's what makes the cookie work. Here's the thing, okay? Conflict is the crunch in your dessert. Conflict is that crunch that your marriage needs. Or let's apply it more broadly, okay? If you're not, not married, okay? It's the crunch that you're, you're, sometimes your friendships need. You're, some of your work relationships need, right? That, that crunch, it, it's, you've got to have that. Uh, any relationship devoid of conflict, it's just this oozy, melty, chocolatey thing. It does, it's not doing anything, okay? So that was so good. Oh, my goodness. So, so here's the deal. I know we looked at a couple of Proverbs, and some of you might be here like, okay, yeah, I'm not really a Bible person and, and all that stuff. So let me just tell you a little bit about what the research has found as well. So there's a guy that I'm a big fan of. We've talked about him up here before. His name is Dr. John Gottman. And I've, I've given you guys a suggested resource, a book he wrote called Why Marriages Succeed or Fail and How You Can Make Yours Last. This guy is a well-known marriage counselor, very famous psychologist, but, um, but he's most actually well-known for his scientific research on marriages and what makes them work. And the book that I just suggested is actually one that's very accessible. Most of the stuff's like all kinds of research and data, and it's just too much. This is a great one accessible just for kind of common everyday people. And so Gottman has found in his research, um, where I, I, I pulled a lot of things for the message today, um, check out what he says about conflict, you guys. This is just gold right here. He says, conflict is a catalyst for change and an opportunity for growth. There's the crunch in your cookie right there. What he's saying is that conflict is such a good thing. Do you see that? And think about this. This makes sense, all right, in any relationship, but let's talk about marriage for a second. In a marriage, think about whether you're married or not, you've seen marriages, okay? Just think about this. You have had, think of all the different seasons that a marriage goes through, all the different phases of life, all the different transitions that have to be made, right? The, the way that as we grow, our needs change, our priorities change, our goals change. There's all sorts of changes that are going on, right? We've got to continue to evolve and adapt as people and together as a couple. And so here's the thing. Does that just happen like the way milk chocolate just melts in your mouth? Do we just change naturally? We just love change, don't we? No. No. The way that change happens is when there's conflict. We get a little crunch in the cookie. And all of a sudden, that conflict is a catalyst. Helps us to see, ooh, I need to do something a little different. Ooh, those priorities change. Ooh, maybe we need to make an adjustment there. And while it also is a catalyst for change, here's the beautiful thing. It's an opportunity for us to grow. If we're really here on this earth to try and be the best we can, to, be, to become more like this guy, Jesus, who many of us would claim we're following, then what an incredible opportunity we have when we face conflict to say, wow, maybe this is a mirror being held up in front of me. Maybe I need to make some changes. Maybe I need to grow. And so it's an opportunity not only for individuals to grow, but our relationship to grow 
as well. So the bottom line here, if you, if you, you know, haven't been tracking with me and, or you've just kind of tuned out for a minute, here's what I want to say. This is the, the main point of today that I want you to just think about and wrestle with, is that conflict is essential for healthy relationships, particularly marriages. Conflict is a good thing. And for many of us, we've never really thought of conflict as a good thing before. It's always something we try and avoid. Now, there are some of you who are here today, and when you think about your marriage relationship, you're like, yep, you know what? You're definitely speaking to me. I mean, my marriage needs a little bit more crunch. You know, everything is just kind of ooey-gooey milk chocolate, and we don't really have any substantive conversations. Um, if there's stuff that's going on, we just kind of sweep it under the rug. We kind of pretend it's not there. We don't really say anything. Um, some of you, you're just like, yeah, I need some crunch. I, we need some conflict because we're just starting to slowly drift apart because there's no conflict. But how do we do that? There's others of you, and you're like, man, <laughs> my relationship is so crunchy, my teeth are killing me, man. <laughs> it's all crunch. Like, we got more drama than reality TV. It is just nuts. So how do we do this conflict thing productively? I'm so glad you asked, because that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. Um, and what I want us to, to do is look at... Um, a couple of rules of engagement. And we're going to talk about these rules of engagement. I just want you to know that, that primarily um, we are thinking about these in terms of marriage, husbands and wives, okay? But if you're here and you're not married, I want you to think of them then more broadly, okay? Think of them because these are very much indicative of men and women generally. So workplace, friendships, whatever, you know, um, your parent-child relationships, whatever. Um, and the other thing that I want to let you know is that we're going to talk along gender lines, but this is actually going to apply to about 90% of you. And then the other 10%, you'll actually find you identify more with the other point. And that's, that's totally cool. Just don't get too hung up on that. Just say, okay, yeah, we kind of, our relationship is kind of flip-flopped and, and I play the other role and you play the other role. So, but we're, we're kind of grounding these rules of engagement in um, something that the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, which is kind of amazing. Because the Apostle Paul is arguably known as the greatest Christian who ever lived, uh, started tons of churches around the Mediterranean rim, wrote much of the New Testament, brilliant, brilliant guy, and was totally skeptical coming in, so he gets a lot of cred from me because he wasn't just drinking the Kool-Aid from the outset on this whole Christianity thing. Um, and so he writes, he just wrote tremendous stuff. I mean, if you don't believe it's inspired, I mean, it's hard to understand how brilliant this guy was without some inspiration from God. And so he, he writes this letter to this church in Ephesus, and he's trying to instruct husbands and wives on, on something. And so this is what he says, Ephesians 5.33, famous, famous words. Paul writes, Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And what's fascinating about what Paul wrote, think about this, 2,000 years ago, a different part of the world, totally different culture, male-dominated society, okay? Think of how much our world has changed in 2,000 years. But Paul wrote something that is absolutely as spot-on today as it was 2,000 years ago. He was basically talking about what is the core need here? What is the core need of a wife? It is to be loved. What is the core need of a husband? It is to be respected. You know what's fascinating to me? So, They've done research studies, surveys, 
And what they found out is that that is truly what the core needs are of men and women. Women say, yes, absolutely, love, number one need. Men, it's not love. They'd rather be respected and unloved versus uh, loved and unrespected. So the number one need for a guy is respect. And so kind of using that verse, we're going to take a look at a couple of rules of engagement. I'm going to do one for the ladies and one for the men. And we're going to go ladies first because that's what we should do, right? Ladies, ladies first. Um, so ladies, here is your uh, rule of engagement when it comes to conflict. And that is confront respectfully. Confront respectfully. That's a big need that a guy has. Um, Okay, so when we say confront respectfully, here's kind of what we're talking about. And again, I borrow, I borrow some, some stuff from, from John Gottman on this. But basically, what it means to confront respectfully is to bring the issue in a calm, gentle manner. Bring it calmly, bring it gently. And what you're after here is you're trying to attack the behavior and not the man, okay? Try to attack the behavior and not the man, so let me try and give you an example, um, if I could. And of course, this is purely just hypothetically, okay? Purely hypothetically. Um, in, in my house, let's just hypothetically say that my wife and I have some issues over domestic uh, things, domestic chores and whatnot. And so let's just say hypothetically, a few weeks ago, um, Becky came up to me and she said, you know, I'm really frustrated with you. She said it in a calm, gentle way. You know, I'm really frustrated with you because you never unload the dishwasher, okay? Um, that doesn't seem too bad, right, ladies? It's calm, gentle. Guys, was that respectful? Okay, some of you say yes, okay? Let me, let me tell you something. If, if, if you're sitting close to that guy who said yes, just, just give him a high five or something, okay? Because here's the deal. When you say the word never, all right? So it's like you never unload the dishwasher. Right off the bat, I have a problem, okay? Call me oversensitive, okay? But, but basically what that's saying is, okay, cool. So all the times when I do it, and I hate unloading the dishwasher, and I don't do it that often, but all the times when I did, she obviously never noticed. So obviously I should stop unloading the dishwasher because I never do it. So I'll never really, I'll make, a, I'll make a true statement out of that statement, and I'll never ever do it, okay? But what's happening to me? Instantly, what's happening? I'm getting defensive, aren't I? Wait, I never unloaded the dishwasher? Seriously? I unloaded it like last two Saturdays ago. Like, I, I remember, okay? And, and I start to get frustrated. And then you know what the, the classic thing that goes from there is? Well, wait, hold on a second. You know the reason why I, I haven't unloaded the dishwasher recently, right? Is because I've been doing this, and I've been doing that, and I've been doing this. Oh, and by the way, you know what you never do? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then maybe if you did this, then I would do this. And what's happening? from a very calm, gentle statement, ladies, and you're like, you guys are so high maintenance. Okay, we get it. We are, okay? <laughs> I'm attacked. In fact, you know what? This, I'm, I'm, this is just the thing. She said, I never unload the dishwasher. Like, I'm lazy, okay? I don't, I don't pull my weight. That's, that's what I'm reading between those lines. That's, that's where I'm at. And I am defensive. And I'm amped up. And so we're starting this kind of this crazy cycle that's going. So I want to just do a little coaching on semantics. And again, this is John Gottman to, to thank for this. But the semantics of this is a totally different way you can say it to, to get the same point across. If instead of saying you never unload the dishwasher, what if my wife said to me, you know, 
when you didn't unload the dishwasher this morning um, and you just kind of left it for me to do, I felt like the maid. Now, it, it's almost like the same thing, but it's a totally different thing, right? Guys, can someone say amen? amen. Okay, all right, thank you, all right? So here's the deal. In the first scenario, I feel like I'm not pulling my weight, I'm a worthless bum, you know, my wife is ticked off at me, and I've got to defend myself. I, I do unload the dishwasher, I'm not lazy, I, don't ever say never, that's ridiculous, I'm ticked, okay? In the second example, she's like, oh, when you did that, I felt like the maid. Now all of a sudden, what do we want to do, guys? This is what we want to do. Instead of, instead of getting defensive, we want to go like this. Oh, babe, I love you. Like, I don't want you to feel like the maid. You're not the maid right? And now I'm leaning in. I'm actively wanting to solve this problem. It's a problem for me that my wife feels like the maid. I don't want her to feel like the maid. I don't want her to feel undervalued like that. Men want their women to feel good, okay? That's just a fact. So all of a sudden, you see, ladies, what we got? We've got a guy who now wants to engage with you, wants to figure out, maybe it's not the dishwasher, but maybe there's other things as we're talking of how I can make her feel appreciated and still shirk my dishwasher duties, which I hate, okay? <laughs> but here's the magic formula, okay? Now, this isn't just for ladies, okay? This is for both genders, and it applies broadly in all relationships, okay? So not just in marriage, but I'm telling you, this is gold. You ready? Here's the, here's the formula for how you, how you confront respectfully. When you do X, I feel Y. We'll say that again. When you do X, whatever that X is, okay? When you do X, I feel Y. Or when you did X, I felt Y. And I'm telling you, it's just, it's a game changer. Now, ladies, if you're here today, okay, and you're in a marriage and you're like, Derek, you're insulting my intelligence right now. I have read this. I have done this. I am a student of this. This is like 101, conflict 101, and like my marriage is so far beyond that, and this isn't working. You know, you got to give me more than that, okay? Here's what I want to say. You're right. <laughs> this is a 101. This is a survey course, all right? And there are some of you who are in way deeper than that, and you need to explore other things, other resources, other helps to be able to go far beyond what we're talking about today. And I just, I just want to encourage you in that this isn't going to fix everything, all right? But this is an incredibly helpful principle. And the other thing that I want to say is that if you're here and you're like, listen, you know how many times I've tried this. I've tried to bring it up in all kinds of respectful ways and calm ways, and he's not listening, and it's not working, and, and, and whatever. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Here's what I want you to try. Just, just ask him. Just ask him. And don't do it, like, in the middle of a fight or at the end of a fight, but, like, do it, do it like, when things are going well. You do it in a happy moment, all right? And just say, you know, when we, when we have conflict sometimes and I bring up an issue, you know, do you feel like I do it respectfully, like, and just, just see what he says. Because if he says no, then just say, hey, well, is there something I could do or not do that, that might be more respect, you know, that, that might just make it easier for us to have a productive conversation? Because I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to make us better. I'm just trying to fix whatever it is that, that you know, we're trying to fix here. And just, and just see what happens, all right? 
And again, that can apply outside of marriage. That, that can apply to other relationships. But that magic formula, it is so good. When you do X, I feel Y. So that's the ladies. Confront respectfully. Let's talk to the guys for a minute. Um, guys, here's your instruction. Listen without getting defensive. All right? Now, here's what happens, guys. When we get confronted with an issue, the great majority of the time, we go instantly into survival caveman mode, okay? And that survival mode is just fight or flight, okay? So we either lash right back out and we get our fists up and we're ready to go. Okay, I'm going to defend myself, I'm going to defend my honor, or we retreat. We retreat into our cave, and we just kind of shut down and we don't want, you know, we just, we just kind of go into our, our little safe place, man, because we, we're just not going to be dealing with this. And what, so what we do immediately upon confrontation for almost all of us is we get defensive. We get defensive. And here's the thing. It starts this crazy cycle because when you're confronted, husband, by your wife, and you, you, maybe your complaint is, you don't understand, my wife is all drama and she comes in and she's got a temper or she raises her voice or whatever, okay? But she comes in and probably right off the bat, she's, she's fairly calm, okay? Right off the bat, initial opening argument, she's probably fairly calm. She comes in calmly, says something, you get defensive. They say, well, I don't know, and you, I can't believe you said that. Blah, 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 blah. You get defensive. And then you know what happens? This is what, this is what goes on in her mind. She goes, oh, I guess he didn't understand what I was trying to say to him. I wasn't very convincing in bringing the issue forward because he's just dodging it or ignoring it or kind of loading all these reasons and things back at me. So you know what your wife does, guys? She's like, well, I better confront a little bit more. I'm going to double down on this whole confronting thing. And so she starts saying, I'm going to have to use a few more examples. Okay, get a little, bit more, a little bit more history going. And I might have to, you know, get the volume up a little bit just to really make sure that he's hearing my point. And what happens? We are in a full-blown crazy cycle because then she gets amped up. And what do you do, guys? You get amped up, don't you? And now it's just cray-cray, all right? It is absolutely nuts. It is. So if you're here, guys, and you're like, you just don't understand. She's just drama, man. Like, she's just drama, okay? You are 50% of the drama problem. I'm going to say it again. You are a full 50% of the drama problem because how you react is going to then impact what she does next, okay? And as Gottman says, if you listen calmly, she will calm down, okay? So here's what I want you to do. When you get confronted, next time you get confronted, we can all try this, okay? But guys, I'm really talking to you right now. When you, next time you get confronted, here's what I want you to do. Because your brain is going a million miles an hour. In that moment, you're like, fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. What am I going to do? And you're just hearing it. She's coming at you. And you're ready to do something. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in that moment, take a breath. And I want you to say, God, help me to remember that conflict is good. Help me to remember that this is actually essential for a healthy relationship. Now, don't say that out loud, because that's just weird, okay? But, <laughs> but say that in your mind. I'm dead serious, because conflict feels terrible. Say it in your mind right then. This is good. God, help me. Remember, good. It's good. It's good, okay? And then, here's what I want you to do next. I want you to listen. Don't run away. Don't fight. Sit there 
And listen, guys. And when I say listen, I mean really listen. Okay? And I'm going to show you what I mean by really listen. Let's watch the screen. All right. So, ladies, you got to bear with me. I know that was way over the top. Okay? Way over the top. It, it was offensive, I know, to many of you. Okay? But, but listen, listen. Listen. We're trying to help the guys here, and some of us are very slow on the uptake, okay? So I need every resource imaginable to try and stick this into the male brain, okay? And, and so here's the deal. Obviously, that video was about this whole thing we love to do. We try and fix things, right? Guys try and just want to fix it. We're not really listening. But there is such this incredible, deep truth that's, that's in that little video vignette that we just saw. And guys, did you, did you catch the moment there was the, the turning point? Did you hear what he said? He like, he stopped. He took a breath. He prayed, God help me to remember. Okay, right? And, and then he said, she was expressing and he said, wow. And you could tell it took everything in him to, to say it. But, <laughs> but with sincerity, he said, that sounds really hard. Boom. Okay. That's it. You know what that, there's a word for that. It's a key word. You know what it is? Validate. He validated her feelings. Huge. Because here's the thing, guys. A lot of times, what she is saying is going to make no logical sense to you whatsoever. It's not rational. You don't understand it. You can't get it. But that doesn't matter in that moment. Really, it doesn't. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to help her to see you are really listening. You are leaning in. You care about her. You are trying to love her, that core need that she has, and validate her. And so even if it makes total, no, no sense at all, it's illogical, okay? I want you to lean in with sincerity and say, you know, so what I hear you saying is this. That means everything. Everything. It does. And here's the thing, guys, okay? Don't forget this. It's not about the nail. It's not. You know what? It's not about the dishwasher. And it's not about that you were out with the guys last weekend, okay? I mean, sure, that's the issue here, but there's something deeper that's going on. She is fighting for you. She's fighting for the relationship, And that's what you're trying to lean in and show that you care about as well. You're trying to get to that deeper thing. Because oftentimes the fix isn't just unload the dishwasher, it's something entirely different. The dishwasher was the trigger. It's not about the nail, guys. Okay? So for us men, don't get defensive. You got to really, really listen. That is how you show love. And I'm telling you, man, that will be well received. Can I get an amen from any lady out here who thinks that that is a good piece of advice? All right, so in summary, here's what I want you to try and do, all right? And you might be able to do this like in a work conflict. You, you could probably do this in a friend conflict. I don't know, but you can definitely do this in a marriage conflict, all right? So here's the thing. Next time you're in a conflict, all right? Hear me all the way out, and it might not make sense to do it in a certain context. But next time you're in a conflict, all right, and it gets crazy, and you're doing crazy cycle, and there's been an issue confronted, and everybody's getting amped up, and you're getting defensive, and it's crazy. Somebody call timeout. Somebody call timeout. Say, you know what? Timeout. We slip back into how we always fight and how we always do this. Timeout. 
Can we try with these rules of engagement? Can we start over? I'm going to give you another shot. Confront, bring this up, but, but try and let's, let's stay calm. Let's stay respectful. And I will listen without getting defensive and see how that goes. Because, and you don't have to do it, but I'm guessing that, you know, you don't like the crazy cycle all that much. So maybe this is something else you could give a shot to. So bottom line, conflict, it's the crunch. It's the crunch that every great relationship actually needs to grow and to change and to be great. Now, next week, we are going to do something that actually, no matter where you are of this whole conflict thing, no matter how good, how bad, whatever you are with it, we're going to talk about something that actually trumps conflict. So even if you're terrible with conflict, if you do what we're going to talk about next week, it, it can overcome it, rise above it, it supersedes it, proven by research, okay? You're not going to want to miss next week. It's Memorial Day Sunday, so change your plans. Be right here. Be online, all right? You're going to want to know about that. All right, so we're going to conclude our service with communion this morning. So our communion team, if you would please go ahead and um, take your positions, grab those elements, and, um, and go ahead and get in, in your places, um, I want to tell you why we're doing communion to close the service today. There's, a, there's definitely a reason for it. And that reason is, is that communion is a celebration of the conflict that Jesus Christ endured when he was on this earth. And you better believe that in the midst of the ministry and the teachings and the miracles and all the kind of cool stuff that happened, there was always conflict going on. And what communion is a celebration of is that Jesus sacrificed himself, that he endured tremendous conflict so that through faith in him, what he did for us through his suffering and his death and his resurrection, that we would be made righteous in the eyes of God through our faith in him. And so not only do we celebrate the conflict that Jesus went through, but we're also reminded that he overcame it. And that when we go through conflict, not only is he walking with it with us through it, but that with his help, we will also overcome it. So communion team, if you would go ahead and start serving those online, um, West Falls Church, please feel free, just go ahead and start serving communion. If you could take and hold the elements and wait, and then once we've all been served, we will eat and drink together. So this bread represents Jesus' body and all the conflict that he endured for us. Let's take and eat together. And this cup, this represents Jesus' blood and the conflict, the blood that was shed for us. Let's take and drink together. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for conflict. We thank you for the reminder that conflict is good we thank you for the ultimate conflict that you endured on this earth for our behalf. And that reminder that you walk with us through our conflict and that just as you overcame, you help us to, overcame, to overcome the conflict as well. Help all of us in our relationships this week. In Christ's name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.